Welcome to Two Girls Talking Trash, a food waste podcast with Hope and Kat. Hello, and welcome to Two Girls Talking Trash. We're a food waste podcast. I'm Kat. And I'm Hope. Yeah, and in our past few episodes, Hope, we've talked a lot about like expiration dates and code dates. And in today's episodes, we're really going to dive into those, explain them a little bit more. What are expiration dates? Why do we have them? Where did they come from? And uh, how do they contribute to food waste? Honestly, Kat, I am shocked that it's taken us this long to get here. I feel like we've probably talked about code dates in almost every episode, if not... um, we should have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're a big thing. And I don't know. So sorry to our listeners. It's taken us five episodes, but we are here and ready to share. We are keeping you on the edge of your seat leading up to this episode. You were thinking code dates. When are they going to talk about them? And mm-hmm. you know what? It's today. Yeah. And you're like, is code date, expiration date? Are those the same thing? I don't even know. So we're going to clear that all up. Yeah. So yeah, what are expiration dates? It's the date after which a product, such as a food or a medicine, um, should not be sold because of an expected decline in quality or effectiveness. So I emphasized quality and effectiveness because it's not about safety. And I think there's a big misconception that expiration date is always about safety when in many Uh, Many of them are actually about quality and effectiveness. So really looking at taste and, you know, overall flavor profile, but not about your safety of eating the product if something is past the code date, depending on the product. And so, you know, it's really shaped our minds around what is safe to eat and what is still good. And it's not something that we really know about. No one really talks about code dates. You don't grow up and have a class in school that's like, here's all of these things in the grocery store about code dates, you know? Um, It's just what we've learned over time. And I think, you know, Hope mentioned earlier in the podcast that her mom threw everything away at the end of a code date because of how her upbringing, which is really interesting, right? So we all have a different perspective around code dates Um, and there are multiple types. So it's not like there's just one type of date out there, but there's actually four. Um, four or excuse me three main ones and um, they are best buy which indicates when a product will be best flavor or quality then there's sell by which is used by manufacturers to ensure proper turnover throughout the journey of the food product Um, so that helps the food retain a long uh, longer shelf life even after purchase so it's not necessarily something that when you hit the sell-by date, you have to eat it. It's just when the manufacturer thinks it should be out of the grocery store and in your house, but it still has life, quality life and safety life beyond that. And then there is use-by, which does mark the last date recommended for the use of the product, often used on meat, poultry, or eggs, and can be taken more seriously because there is a larger risk of bacteria in some of those perishable meat products. Those are the, that's the high level of code dates. It's so fascinating that these little um, numbers on all of our um, items just have such an impact on how long we feel it's safe to eat them. Mm -hmm. Um, It's actually also really fascinating 
um, coat dates just became a thing in the 1950s. Mm. Um, there was a, a store that called Mar- Marks, Marks and Spencer's. Um, and uh, they just started using them in their storerooms uh, for tracking purposes. And they didn't actually make their way onto um, the shelves our normal shelves under like the title of sell by date until 1973. Um, and the major reason was because um, shoppers were starting to get more packaged and processed foods and they were feeling concerned about how long the items were actually good for and like how long they should actually be eating them. Um, in 1975, 250,000 people were surveyed nationwide about uh, food, and 80, 89% of respondents were in favor of their uh, dating system, and 95% of respondents listed open dating as the most useful consumer service um, in regards to freshness. Hmm. Um, so it's just really fascinating that actually like changes we made into how our food uh, was processed and like convenienced for us ultimately led um, to us like getting rid of it. Um, something that should have made food stay longer for us to eat ultimately is now leading to more food um, being confusing and potentially being wasted before it needs to. Um, and so as a result, lots of states um, started uh, triggering like la- labeling laws Um Again, code dates are not federally mandated. Uh, they're only required on infant formula. Um, and so uh, nowadays, when they're, because there's just so much unscientific um, labeling involved, um, the, the UK has actually suggested um, trying to change their labeling. And all manufacturers were not pleased by this recommendation um, because they ultimately want you to follow the dates that they're setting um, so that uh, you use up the food and then you buy more. Um, And also so they can make sure that uh, their food is being consumed at what they deem as the most tasty part. So then you're addicted to it and you just want to keep eating it. (laughs) Um, But I will share a, a common commonly held uh, a little bit of speculation around some co-dating related to uh, milk. Um, so Al Capone, uh, it is a popular theory that he is responsible for milk code dates because one of his family members um, got sick after drinking some expired milk and he got really interested in the milk industry and then ultimately ended up buying a milk processor and lobbied at Chicago City Council to require visible um, date stamps on all milk containers. Um, But uh, this was uh, supposedly happening in the 1930s. And as I just mentioned, um, co-dating doesn't actually take, uh, doesn't become popular until the 1970s. So take it or leave it for whatever you want. But it is kind of a fun story to think that uh, Al Capone really brought home that milk label for all of us. You know, and maybe he started the milk lobby because the, or the dairy lobbyists back in the day, like that inspired because dairy lobbyists are, are very, very good at what they do um, and keeping dairy alive and strong in, um, in all of our homes. I, maybe he founded some sort of secret society related to milk lobbying yeah. and now it's, it's a secretly funded dairy council. 
out there. Uh, I'm not here to spread rumors rumors. on our food waste podcast or conspiracy theories, but do what you want with that information. Yeah. Just a thought in the ether. It is really interesting to think that, yeah, he could have been um, influencing the, the dates on at least dairy products back in the day. Who knows for real, but all these dates, right, have like, like Hope, you just said, they came onto the scene to try to, for convenience style products or new products, not necessarily it's always convenience, but new, new products that generally were more convenient than the older products. So you're like, this is great, but then is leading to more waste, which is yeah, super interesting to think about. And, you know, in the Harvard Food and Law, Harvard Food Law and Policy Clinic uh, did some studies and found that 85% of consumers said they had thrown away food because of the code date. 85%. Like that I mean, is unfortunately not shocking, but it's a huge number. Yeah. That's, you know, that's, that's overwhelming majority of folks are throwing away just based on the date. And where did we even learn what the dates mean, right? It was just implied that that means it's bad or it's not safe when really most of the time it's just that it may taste slightly different uh, than it did at peak freshness. And, you know, I think in the past we've mentioned that, you know, eggs, for example, are good for five weeks past the good date, the, the good date. The code date. The good date. I guess it could be a good date because it's like the last day of freshness, but uh, past the code date. And, you know, I've had eggs five weeks past and to me, they taste just as good, right? Like I'm not, I haven't experienced too many instances of eating food past the date where I'm been like, oh, that doesn't taste very good or that's really off. You know, there's just maybe a slight difference, particularly if things are already unopened or just recently opened that even then extends the shelf life. So I think I've heard of people who like haven't opened anything. Oh, the date's here. Let me throw it away. Well, particularly if it hasn't been open, it hasn't been exposed to the elements like the air or potential other invaders that could impact the quality of the food in terms of a safety aspect. But generally things are good for like seven to 12 days past the date. And then if you're talking canned food, that's like years, depending on the type of can uh, product. You have a lot of time um, to to enjoy those products, which is why people save them up. My grandparents. Yes, exactly. Hope's grandparents. But a really good way to test if your food is still good, you know, you look at the date and you go, okay, maybe it's close or it's on the day or maybe even a day after. But a great tip to just really be thinking about when you're checking your food is simple. Your body knows when it's not something that you should be eating. And so when you look, you smell, or you taste the product, you'll know pretty, pretty well, if that's not going to be something that's, that's still good, you know, still actually good in terms of safety. um, And it hasn't, you know, turned. So, you know, give your food a little look-see, a smell test, and then a little dab, you know, I've, there have been times I uh, try a little bell pepper and you're like, hmm, it smells a little off, but then you taste it and you're like, hmm, okay, no, I think it's still good. It's kind of on the last leg, so let's use it. But, you know, your body knows and your taste buds know when to use the products. So I think that's just something to keep in mind. 
yeah, like use your senses. Like they're going to always know better than what some sort of like a stamped item that's done through technology actually knows like your body was built for this. And like the worst part is throwing things away that you have never opened. Like just open it. Like you have no idea what's going on in there. It could be better. We won't know until you try. Yeah. It could have ripened with age and it's going to be the best thing you've ever had. You know, we all like a really fine ripe and cheese. There you go. Cheese is the one I was thinking of. I think that's exactly right. Really just open, smell, give it a little taste, see, and go from there and experiment, you know, try it out. Yeah. So, I mean, like if you're not into that sniff test or that taste test, you're like, I'm not quite ready on that food waste journey of mine, but you do want to keep your products fresher, longer. I recommend checking checking out savethefood.com. They have a great store it guide and it gives you uh, an opportunity to search different items of food and then provide instructions for optimal storage, particularly for perishable items. So the ones that are going to go, you know, might turn quicker like strawberries or herbs or other things like that. So recommend checking that out because it's really helpful and it can help kind of in combination as you are experimenting with code dates and understanding, you know, the differences between best buy, sell by and use by, and then also learning how to store your products a little bit longer and more in the proper ways. Cause even the grocery store doesn't always store it in the most appropriate place for optimal conditions. So it's really interesting to learn the differences. Uh, Cucumbers don't necessarily need to be in the fridge, but they're almost always in the fridge. And so that actually putting things in the fridge can change the, the um, longevity of a product, depending on what it is when it could be stored out. So great guide, check it out when you get some, when you get some time. Never put a tomato in the fridge. Yeah. Mm -mm, Don't do it. Speaking of tomatoes. My recipe this week is going to be uh, twofold. So um, I've been traveling a lot uh, as of recent, which is, um, yep, everyone, uh, please feel free to jump on that judgment train because we are in a pandemic and it is somewhat irresponsible to be traveling, but I will say um, family mandated. So um, had to do it. And taking the safety precautions, you're masking up, you're doing the things that you need to do to make sure you and your loved ones are safe. Yes. So unfortunately that does, um, tend to lead to not eating, like, uh, not preparing your own food, lots of eating out. Uh, so leftovers and, um, also it tends to lead to you going through your parents' cabinets and discovering old food items. So, um, recently, uh, I, uh, got, so I'm from uh, spoiler alert, everyone from Michigan where, um, we don't have diners. We have Coney Islands and, um, they have delicious French fries, but, um, I don't know if any of you have tried to save a French fry the next day, but it becomes very challenging. For those not from Michigan, what's a Coney Island? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's basically a diner, but it's Greek focused. So oh. like they're all going to have uh, Greek food and then also like a hot dog and a fried chicken, uh, fried chicken salad. And basically fried chicken salad is my favorite food of all time. Um, mm. So sorry, everyone, but it's true. 
<laughs> no need to apologize for your favorite food. That sounds delicious. It's very good. Um, yeah. So, uh, ha- so trying to save leftover fries is, um, can be very challenging, especially if you're like in college and you're like, I don't have an oven to re or a stove to fix these. And, um, sorry to even mention that because the recipe I'm giving you, you also don't have the utensils to really do if you were in college. <laughs> um, but maybe I feel a friend with an apartment. Yeah. I yeah. feel your struggle as a college kid that, uh, was, eating cold fries because they just couldn't waste them and they, uh, had no money to buy new ones. Um, uh, so I also, in addition to having fries left over that were cold, um, I also found a can of tomatoes, um, definitely past its best by date, but still completely wonderful and edible. Um, and I was like, Oh, like, what can I do with this? Um, and, I think potatoes are wonderful for so many amazing things, but the best thing that they are in is in yoki, and that's personal opinion. I'm willing to fight on it should I need to. Um, So uh, I did make French fry and yoki um, with a tomato sauce, Um, but you also don't have to make your own tomato sauce. You can very easily use a jar. Wow. I am so pumped to hear how you did this. I love gnocchi and... uh making them out of french fries, which is um, maybe the best use for potatoes. So we can do that one out, but uh, pumped to hear you combining the two. Yeah. Okay. So what you need basically is um, one and a half cups french fries, but you can adjust your recipe uh, based on like what you have. Um, I would say it depends on the order, like one and a half cups of fries is a lot of fries. So um, if you don't have that much, just adjust down. And as always, our uh, recipe will be on the website and it will be very easy for you to do some basic math and adjust as needed. Um, you'll also need one actual potato. Um, and then again, you could use a smaller amount if you don't, uh, if you don't have as many fries. Uh, and so, uh, and then basically the rest of the ingredients are very similar to in yoki in general. Um, you're just going to sub out some of the French fri- or some of the potato of a traditional gnocchi with french fries. Um, the cool part is that I actually did half, um, like I crisped them up a little bit. Uh, so it added just a little bit of texture to the um, actual gnocchi itself as well. Um, so uh, as you're doing a normal prep for a gnocchi, um, you want to make the potato. So like peel and cut it. Um, you technically don't have to peel it. Um, like hello fiber and you don't need to waste skins. Um, but, uh, because I was trying to trying something new, uh, I, I did peel it or I went with a more traditional preparation of a gnocchi peel and cut your potatoes. Um, but just like you were going to make mashed potatoes, um, so like chunks, uh, put them in cold, heavily salted water, bring it to a boil. Something that I do need to figure out a food waste tip for. And so please share with me if you do have what listeners and or cat. Um, and I don't technically know if this is a food waste, but so much salt water is wasted in food preparation. Um, like every time you make pasta or like anything, like what am I supposed to do with that? You know? Yeah. I don't necessarily have a great tip for what to do with the water, but I will think on that. But I do um, uh, enjoy Alton Brown and Miss Good Eats. I don't know if you remember that show or if yes. anyone watched that show. 
Such a good show. Right? Love Good Eats. Also got to meet Alton Brown in college. He was like on tour. Very cool. We were just like walking, walking uh, through like dream guy on the pod. Dude, that would be incredible. We were just walking by and uh, my now fiance was like, I think that's Alton Brown. And I was like, no way. Like, why is he in this small town in Northern California? And then we like looked and we were like, no, that's Alton Brown. And we got to meet him. So shout out to our man, Alton Brown, but he did give a great tip, um, on how to not during my meeting with him, but in a good eats episode, um, you just on shared how, a tip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And by so, the way, cat, <laughs> yeah. um, and so he, in one of his episodes shared how you can actually cook pasta in a saucepan. So you use a lot less water and you're there's still some water waste but like I tried it out um so you basically just put the pasta in a um and this probably worked for potatoes too I would think in a saucepan so you know much thinner and then just cover it with enough or make it so there'd be enough water to cover the pasta and you can cook it just like that and I I've tried it a couple of times and it works just as well as you know boiling a whole pot of pasta or excuse me boiling a whole pot of water to cook your pasta so that's a tip I can share at least to save some water slash salt for your pasta cooking. And it definitely would cook faster or like yeah. boil faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boils much faster as well. So yeah, it's a, it's a win all around. Exciting. You're not wasted, wasting your time waiting yeah. for the water to boil. So thank you, Alton Brown. Back yeah. to your recipe. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone. Yes. Come, come back on this journey with us. Yes. French fried so, gnocchi. Yeah. Yeah. So you're making your potatoes. Um, so cook them until they're fork tender. Um, uh, you'll save some of the water for the pasta sauce. If you are making your own pasta sauce, otherwise you can dump the water, um, and continue on. Um, so you're going to soak half of the French fries um, in either cream or milk or uh, water, whatever you prefer. Um, I, in, in my recipe, uh, I had um, some cream and I watered it down a little bit. So um, like a fourth a cup of cream and a fourth a cup of water, um, mostly because I didn't have enough cream. Uh, and a whole milk would also work really well. Um, and then, uh, just let them soak. And then, uh, with the other half of the French fries, um, I just toasted them in a pan with a little bit of olive oil and basil, um, and garlic, um, just get a little bit of flavor and, um, all of the herbs or the basil and the garlic, and then also get a little bit of crispness, um, in the French fries so that they're, um, get cook a little bit of the moisture that like, uh, I don't know if you've ever, uh, got French fries and the leftovers, you open the container and there's all that condensation and like your French fries are soggy. So try to get a little bit of that moisture out so that, um, they can, it can absorb the moisture that's going to go in it in the gnocchi and then, um, less likely to, uh, kind of fall apart more like hold its shape. So then once all that stuff was done and I had let everything kind of cool, put the potatoes together. So the regular potatoes and also the French fries, um, and then smush them through a, uh, like a, like a ricer or a strainer, something that you can, it can get really fine. Um, because you basically, if you haven't had a gnocchi, um, it's almost like, uh, a pillowy pasta. Like it's really fine. Like it's not chunky at all. 
want it to be really, really smooth. And um, it also helps to then hold its shape so that uh, like pasta, um, the sauce then coats it. So ran it through, a, uh, I have a ricer, and then you'll want to combine that with um, one egg. You can add Parmesan. Um, and then um, also I added in that garlic basil and a little bit of flour. Knead it until it starts to come together. You can add more flour as needed um, and then roll it out into kind of like a little log uh, about um, probably like a half inch thick, one inch thick, um, depending kind of on how uh, your preference and also how good you are rolling out potato. Um, and then uh, cut it into little strips. Uh, so like little rectangles, again, probably about a half an inch. And then if you want, um, or I guess one inch again, um, if you want, you can get really fancy and roll it on the back of a fork so that it gets the ridges of traditional yogi and yogi. Um, you also can just leave it as a, as a little rectangle. Um, and then used the same water, um, that I did the, um, potatoes in, uh, cause again, I'm still in on a hunt to, uh, figure out what to do with that boiling water. Um, so bring it up to a boil again, put the pasta in it for like two minutes or until the pasta floats or the gnocchi floats, um, drain it. And then, um, I tossed it in the sauce. Um, you can also do like a little bit of a saute on a gnocchi to get it a little bit crispy. Um, but then I served it with sauce and it was really tasty, uh, flavorful. And then also just like a great way to reuse those French fries. Um, and at no point was I thinking, man, I wish I had some ranch. It was just in yoki at the point. Yum. That sounds, um, sounds like pillows of deliciousness. And, uh, I now want to go get some French fries and have leftovers just so I can try this recipe. I was actually thinking like, um, like all potatoes are like, are now up, like up fair game like I'm thinking like tater tots Ooh. like what what kind of potatoes can I put in yoki breakfast and like, potatoes oh yeah hash browns yeah I love wow. an idea like that it takes a little bit of the flavor that it like it was originally a part of mm-hmm. and then just makes it a little bit better so I'm like oh like what would what would garlic fries be like as yeah. a base chili cheese fries whoa Ooh, yeah whoa I'm pumped. I'm here for it. That sounds amazing. <laughs> I uh, definitely want to try that out. Think I'm excited to see the recipe on the website. And then I will I will try. Yeah, everyone um go to the website. Um Two Girls Talking Two Girls- Trash. Yes. Um, and uh then share with us the type of potato that you used. Like uh what were you um what were you doing? What were you eating the day before and what was left over? And now what is your gnocchi? Because like the tomato sauce that there's so many options there, Mm -hmm. like tomato sauce can take on its own everything. Like Mm -hmm. it's a basic sauce. And so, and you don't, hello, you don't have to do a tomato sauce. You could Mm -hmm. do a browned butter and like, you could throw in the freaking chicken tenders that you had with your French fries Yeah, and just get real wild. Wow. I mean, that's the way, in my opinion, to eat gnocchi, a little brown butter sauce, garlic. That's my fave. That's my fave. Um, Cause it's just, there's so much flavor in those little, little nuggets. Mm. And I feel like sometimes the tomato sauce 
can can overpower the taste that I want, but it's all so good. And I just, wow, pumped to eat these. I was just going to say, you don't have to add the garlic and basil. Like I yeah. just did it because we had it and like fresh herbs, you just use them. You mm-hmm. have to, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, you could throw in your own seasonings. Like, yeah, all the things, the sauce is your oyster. I hope you find a pearl. Yeah. Oh, that was, wow. What a beautiful end to uh this episode and i i uh i really hope um you enjoyed learning a little bit more about the history and the reasons behind code dates and maybe a few tips on how you could extend your code dates and maybe uh use that that smell sniff smell and sniff um taste test and uh check out some tips on savethefood.com but also head over to our website twogirlstalkingtrash.com mm-hmm. you can and- also check out our social media uh we're on instagram at two girls talking trash the number two uh yeah. yeah we're just really uh i hope that you now have a base of knowledge you can mm-hmm. share it with others mm-hmm. when the next time you see someone going to throw something out you say hey hey why are you throwing that out and they say oh it expired two days ago and you say did you even open it? Yeah. Simple as that. Well, uh, thanks for listening. If you want, it'd be great if you liked and subscribed to our podcast on uh, the platform that you're listening on and check out our socials. We'd love to hear from you and submit a recipe on our website so we could highlight something that you've used in your life to reduce waste of something maybe you've tried recently or something you've always done, your grandma did. We'd love to hear about it or hear any questions you have about how uh, maybe we could try out a product you've continued to have struggles with um, on uh, using and it, it keeps going to waste and we'd be happy to, to try to help. Thanks guys. Have a great day.